Well, good morning, church. How y'all doing today? You having a good day so far? Come on, so awesome to be with you today. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get good. It's going to get even better. Come on, then you already got it right now. Wasn't that an awesome story we just heard by Cassidy there? Come on, let's give God a great big hand. And that is a reminder, and we say this a lot here at Bridge City Church when we ask one another, hey, how are you doing? And it's kind of caught on. A lot of y'all caught on to this, and it's better than I deserve. And, that, and, and Cassidy's story is just like that. Like, how are you doing? Like, yeah, whether you're doing really well or maybe not doing so well, the, the spiritual reality is we're all doing better Okay, so this is a, you want to have a good Monday morning at work. When people say, how you doing, what do you tell them? Better? They're going to say, what do you mean by that? And you got, you got an instant conversation. You got an instant lunchtime coming. Because you can tell them, if you buy me lunch, I'll tell you about it. Come on. Come on, are you with me? But that's how we're really doing. We're doing better than we deserve. And that's the spiritual reality, and that's all about this divine privilege that we have in Christ. It's about that because of Jesus, I am doing better. It doesn't mean I have a perfect life. doesn't mean everything's always good. doesn't mean things go the way I want. But you know what? I'm doing better than I deserve. Hey, recently I was on a, a ministry trip. I got done preaching in Arab, Alabama. I was in Arab in Holly Pond, Alabama. If you never knew there was such a place, I was there. And, um, and so I got to, I was preaching, and I was flying out on Sunday afternoon. So on Saturday night, I went on to check in to make sure that my tickets were all in, in, in order, and I was, and I was ready, to, ready to get out of there, in Jesus' name. And uh, when, I, when I logged on, an interesting thing happened. Like, I knew the seats that I picked, and they were towards the back of the plane. But, but what happened was, is they said, you're in business class, which a lot of us maybe remember as first class. And I'm like, something's wrong. And so I said, something's wrong. And I kept going in. I'm like, something's wrong. I didn't, I didn't pay for this. And I went in. I'm starting to read everything. And I'm looking. It says, and there's a big thing that says complimentary upgrade. And I did just what you would do. I got paranoid <laughs> that I was going to have to pay for it. And so I, I got, there's something wrong. Because somebody's going to pay for this. And so I immediately went to my credit card statement, made sure there was no, you know, nobody's charged me anything. And so I didn't call because that would take patience. So I, I got on a chat, you know, I said, okay, I need somebody to chat with. And so there was some fake person there. And I said, hey, this just happened. I got a complimentary upgrade. I don't know what this means. I'm watching the screen. It says, it's complimentary. I said, what does that mean? She said, complimentary. I said, who's going to pay for this? It's complimentary. <laughs> Literally, this said, okay, thanks. So I waited 15 minutes, and I got a new person to chat with. <laughs> I did. So I got a new person, because I said, they're up to something. They're up to something. As soon as I go there, they're going to charge me for this. And so I did, the same exact thing happened. I said, oh, I got a complimentary upgrade. So I went, kind of like hesitant, but I got on a plane, and I sat up front. You know the people up front, like the, the kind that we all walk by and don't want to get eye contact with? 
Because you got a little envy in your heart? Come on. I forgot what it's like up there. You see, because I didn't, I didn't have to pay for it. It was complimentary. I was raised up from the back. I was seated up front. And I was united with those people up front. Come on. I had myself a privilege. And I didn't have to pay for it. I, and I, I don't know if you know this or not. They feed you real food up there. Not those stale pretzels. I'm telling you, you get real food. They came to me. They said, they said what kind of food do you want? Do you want shrimp or chicken? I'm like, shrimp pretzels? I never heard of that before in my life. You see, this is what happens to us in Christ. We were living a certain way. And because of God's mercy and grace, divine privileges, we were raised up from where we were. We were invited to a place that we did not deserve, and we are now seated with him, and we are united with him, and we have privileges with him that we didn't know we had. That, my friends, is divine privilege. And most of us spend most of our life in Christendom trying to figure out what all these divine privileges are really all about. So we're going to launch out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, where we've been launching every single week out of here. And blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us into Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. That's right. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have an inheritance. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a child of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but I have grace and peace. I'm holy and blameless. I've been sealed. I've been marked by God. And I get to participate in Jesus' church. I ain't bragging. I'm just saying. Come on, somebody. These divine privileges we have are so awesome and so great. In this book of Ephesians that we've been, we've been just going through verse by verse, the whole first chapter, I'm going to jump into the second chapter today and actually cover 10 verses. But you got to understand that the book of Ephesians, which is a letter from the Apostle Paul to those in Ephesus, is not a correctional letter. It's not correcting. It's exhorting. It's clarifying. It's doct very doctrinal in nature. But it's stating something here to us, but it's written to a people, not a person. It's written, really it's a vision of Jesus' church. And to understand the book of Ephesians, we have to understand it's written to a people, not just to me personally. Because if you try to understand this just personally, without the every you, the we, the us, it becomes very self-centered rather than God-centered in to build his church. So we got to understand these things, truly, truly understand what he's doing. Because after all, how you doing, church? There we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Do you know what the problem is for many of us? We've been in church so long, we think this is talking about somebody else. No, trespass, that's what disobedience means. In sin, there's two words here. Trespass means there was a no trespassing sign and you went that way. 
No, that's really, it, it means it's a lapse. It's a, it's a, it's a, even sometimes it could be even unconscious. You went your own way. There was a sin nature. That trespass, disobedience, means you're a rebel. Or you were a rebel. And it means you were a failure because sin means missing the mark. That means you were a rebel and a failure. You were once like that. You trespassed. We all trespassed. We drifted away. But we forget what this word dead really means. Dead is our description before Christ. And we got to understand, before Christ, we were blind, a slave to sin, a lover of darkness, sick, lost, an alien, a child of wrath, and under the power of darkness. See, to understand how great God's mercy and grace is, you got to understand your true state before you came to Christ. And many Christians don't really understand. They just say, well, I'm going to go to church, and, and so I can kind of, my good life can become better, or my bad life can be not so bad. No, I don't know if you know this or not. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was completely blind on my own, but now I see. See, we got to go back and understand these things. My, listen, if we lose this, salvation just becomes a self-help thing. I don't need help from myself because after all, I'm the one that got me into this mess in the first place. Are you with me? If I got me into this mess, how much help can I really give myself? I need Jesus' help. I need mercy and grace help. That's the privilege that we get. I was dead. You were dead. Verse 2, Ephesians chapter 2. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, remember, he's, he's, he's writing to the saints, to the Christians, to the people in church. You've got to understand that. He's not just talking to all creation. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Listen, this is the way you used to live. This is the way it used to be. We all, we all had a sin nature. We all, we all had passionate desires that lined up with the world in this, this, this world that we live in, inclinations to sin. But it's time that we move past that into the mercy and love and grace of God. It's time that we moved into being raised up, seated with him, united with him. These are divine privileges that we get. I used to be that way. Listen, if you are stumbling all over your past, you're walking in the wrong direction. I hear people tell me this all the time. Like, well, I'm just stumbling over my past. You don't know, Pastor, I had it rough when I was a kid. And I'm like, who, had, who didn't? Who didn't have it rough? Well, you understand I had a dysfunctional family. Is there such a thing as not a dysfunctional family? 
No, no, I'm being real. People tell me this all the time. I talk to people all the time, and they say, well, you don't understand. My, my grandfather was like this, and my grandmother was like this. Are they here? No, they died years ago. Well, then what, what are you still living in, in that shadow for? No, see, I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way. I mean, I remember Pastor Keith, who founded this church. I was, um, I think I was right about 1920 years old in this church, and a long time ago. And I remember he came to me one day, and he pulled me aside. If you know Pastor Keith, you know what I'm about to say. He says, you know, when you're, when you're a child, you do the things of a child. When you're a man, you do the things of a man. All I said was, yes, sir. I got it. It was time to grow up in Christ. And time to stop making excuses. So I want to talk to every man in this room right now. I get one shot at doing this in this format. I want to talk to every man in this room. On June 5th, on a Sunday evening, I'm going to meet here with the men of the church. This isn't a playful, joyful, oh, if you have time that evening, come on out. Or if, if you're within driving distance of this house right here, I'm expecting you to be here. I want to speak to the men of the church in a way that I can only speak to the men of the church. And if you've already predetermined as a man you're going to be offended, then stay home. I'm inviting the men of this church to stand up and say, this is the way I used to live, but this is the way that we live now. I'm not playing. Oh, we're going to feed you. But then you're going to have some time with me. Not recorded. We're going to have some talk as men. Men, did you hear me? Did you hear me, men? That's every man here. You don't have to be a member of the church. We're an equal opportunity. We can offend everybody. And I'm serious with this. It's burning on my heart. So write that date down. Clear your schedule. Don't tell me you're going to wash the car or cut the grass that day. In Jesus' name. Verse 4. It gets so good. You used to be passionately following your desires. You're like selfish. You're all these things. But God. I thought you were going to get excited. 
but God, so rich in and he us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See, this is where it gets good. Come on, come on. You used to be this. So, hey, I used to be unworthy. I used to have, I was purposeless. I used to have rejection. But God. Okay, it gets even better. I used to be a fornicator, an adulterer, a cheater, a liar. But, yeah. Come on, this is all of us. But all of us try to, try to like dance around. Why wasn't that bad? No, you were. And like, oh, well, I never did drugs. Well, great, that's one less thing you've got to deal with. I like to see Christians sometimes. They say, well, you know, I never did drugs. You know, like, we should be happy about that. No, I'm serious. The best stories are the ones that, hey, I grew up with Jesus and I didn't have to go that way. But hey, if you did, we got that covered too, but God. You see, we got to get this but God. I used to live this way. I, I, I was filled with guilt and I was filled with shame. But God. I was purposeless. I was aimless. I was selfish. But are you getting the picture here? We got to get infatuated with our but God moment. But God. But God changes everything. I was dead, now I'm alive. I was a children of wrath, now I'm a child of God. I was walking according to the world, now I am led by the Holy Spirit. I lived in sin, now I'm seated with him. There's four things we have there. But God, it changes everything. It raises us. He's together with us. He, he, listen, he unites us with him. We're along with him. That's what that matters. I'm with God now here. And Paul uses three words. He uses mercy, love, and grace. It's totally cool words here. But you know what? I'm gonna read to, I'm gonna read to you something out of 1 Corinthians because I think it needs to be read because it lists out some things specifically. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, it's okay. Paul's writing to the Corinthians here, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. These are things you, nobody wants to read these verses anymore. Some of you were once like that. How many of y'all can relate to at least one of them? Yeah. If you're guilty of one, you're really guilty of them all. So, am I right? But you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me just, let me just stop here. There's a difference between struggling with sin, and I'm just going to give in to it. This is the way God made me. There's a big difference. I can stand up here and say, yeah, I, I struggle in some ways, 
Or I could say, you know, oh, God just made me a certain way. So yeah, I'm married to my wife, Natalie, but I, I, got, a, I got like three other girls on the side. Does anybody here think that's a good idea? Does anybody think that's okay? See, no, it's not a good idea. I'm still standing here, which is a testimony <laughs> that that's not true, just for the record, just for the record, okay? Okay, I want to clear up any... <laughs> He's trying to say to us, yeah. No, I'm serious. The fact that you're still struggling says that there's a conscience and there's a God and there's conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's embrace the struggle. Okay? There's a struggle between the way I used to live and the way I live now. There's a struggle from my past to the way I am now. We all have one, am I right? But the fact that we have a struggle means that there's a tension that we live with that I am walking out and working out my cleansing, my being made right with God, and my blameless and holy. There's days my head doesn't realize that. But if we don't understand there's this thing called sin, we'll never understand mercy and grace. And many people in this room right now are struggling in many different areas. There's people in this room right now, you're struggling, you're thinking about having an affair. There's people in this room right now are struggling with same-sex attraction. Statistically, it's almost impossible that we could be in a room of this many people and not have people struggling. There's people in this room that are suffering with anger and suffering with guilt and shame. The fact that there's a struggle means that God is still in the race and he can win. But... God, it drives me to him. It drives me to grace. It drives me to mercy. It, dri it drives me to all these things. It doesn't drive me to say, ha, there's mercy. I can do whatever I want. That would be like me going home and saying, hey, Natalie, God, I, there's mercy. I was out with another woman tonight. There's mercy. No, I'd be needing mercy. <laughs> Come on. Am I right? Come on, you ladies, it's okay. So, mm-hmm, that's right. No, I'm serious. But people abuse mercy and grace. They abuse it because they're saying, it's a license to do whatever you want. And I don't believe that's what God would have for us. I don't believe that's taking your divine privilege and using it for him. Are you with me? Not like I can do whatever I want. No. I got a seat at the table now. And there's huge benefits. So let's look at this definition for mercy. Mercy. Listen, let's understand this. It's not getting what I deserve. God's kindness, compassion, and pity. Do you know what the problem is? So many people want to have their own pity party rather than receiving God's pity. Because as long as I can have my own pity party... I leave God out of the equation. When I receive his pity, compassion, it leads me somewhere. It doesn't leave me there. Am I right? It's like, you know, when you're, when, when you're sitting with somebody, and, 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 and this happens to me, and I've been on both, both sides of this. Oh, this is going wrong, and that's going wrong, and financially, and relationship, and job, and all this. It's like, oh, okay, oh, that's, mm, oh, wow, mm, oh, ah. Oh. Okay, now what are you going to do about it? That's why I love men's times. Because you can look at, what are you going to do about it? 
You're going to have your own pity party? Or are we going to run to God together? Not just man up. We're going to Christian God, Jesus man up. And you can take that and apply it to the women. Am I right? You with me? How about we mercy up? But how about grace? What is true grace? It's getting what I don't deserve. It's God's power to become. It's the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Grace is never so I don't have to. It's always so that I can. Well, pastor, there's grace. I don't need to go to your men's meeting. No, you need mercy. Understand the two. No, I hear people say all the time to me, well, there's grace. We, there's grace. There, no, let's, tell, let's, let's define what biblical grace is. Biblical grace empowers me so that I can become the man of God that I need to be. Grace is never an excuse to do what you want to do. So somebody that walks in true grace, biblical grace, is empowered to become not using excuses so they don't have to. See, really what, what we use as grace so often is really mercy. I don't get what I deserve. Thank God. I deserved hell. And without the power of Jesus Christ, I don't care how good you are or how bad you were, makes no difference. We all deserved hell. We were children of wrath. We were condemned. And many people are saying, man, this is a fire and brimstone church. No, how about it so we read the Bible, church? No, I'm serious. Like, how about we just look at the Bible? And we don't condemn people. We don't run people off. People say, well, I'm a, I live a certain lifestyle, Pastor. I guess I'm not welcome at your church. I said, oh, we were created for people like you. I hear that all the time. People say, well, you wouldn't want me there. Oh, we would love for you to come. Because the mercy and grace of God are going to get you. <laughs> and it's going to be so much fun. And we're all going to struggle at one time or another. Am I right? And that's why we need one another to help us not live according to our old nature, but live according to the new one. Is this helping you today? But God. But God. I once was this, but now I am saved, sealed, sanctified. I am set free. Are you with me? Come on. I'm no longer. Listen, listen, if you say this, and I don't know anybody here who does, but if you do, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Get that out of your vocabulary. Why well, keep confessing you're just a sinner? You're not a sinner. You're a saint if you have called upon the name of the Lord, if he has forgiven you of your past, and he's leading you into your future. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Now, there's parts of you we're still trying to get to the sainthood in. Just like me. Are you with me? Could you imagine living with this all the time? No, I'm serious. Yeah, God bless Natalie. I'm just. You want to hear a funny story? My wife is on her way down to see our new grandson in, in, in 
care for him for a whole week and the mom and all that stuff. And, and so she, she's on a train. And her one prayer was, is like, I just want to be by myself on the train. It's the introvert part of her. I think like riding this train alone was like a gift. Because she's like that. So it's like, some of you introverts, you're like, yeah. You mean we can do that? Some of you are looking right now. I'm going to get me a train ticket. I mean, it's like, yeah. And so she was like, I just want to be by myself. And here, she texts me right before we start. She goes, a, a guy just caught on the train and sits right down beside her. He just got out of prison. He has no money and nowhere to go. <laughs> I texted her. I said, it looks to me like you're about to have church. <laughs> I, listen, I, I didn't have anything to do with it. Don't look at me. I didn't, I mean, God set it up. I couldn't have set it up. If I tried to set it up, I would have spoiled it. Don't, don't start texting her. I said that now. Come on, show me some love here. Come on. But what I'm trying to say is God sets us up to demonstrate mercy and grace. I just think it's pretty funny. I, I was there. I was like, I couldn't, this is great. I don't know why I told you that, but it was funny. So I, I digress. I'm sorry. I digress. Fully alive, empowered, raised with, seated with, united with. We're doing this thing tonight called Growth Track. Get as many people as we'll get together. And we're just giving basic concepts of growth in Christ. Basic, basic, you know, we're going to spend three hours together. Get together and talk about growth in Christ. Why are you doing this? It's not to try to keep you busy. The world and the devil is keeping you busy. It's to help us understand basic concepts of growth in Christ. Do you know what the biggest problem with Christianity is? Is that we have to do it every day. Am I right? This is to help you on Monday through Saturday. Because we want something for you, not just something from you. We want to help you just learn some basic tenets, basic principles of growth. Because you know why this is so important? It's because we all drift. Have you ever noticed you don't have to try to drift, it just happens? And that's what happens in my life. I was driving with my wife, going down 376. I said, what's the matter? She goes, you're looking at me, you're not looking at the road, you drifted into the other lane. And I said, yeah, but nobody was there. I'm confessing all my sins. <laughs> no, 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 follow me. We, drifting's natural, and we all do it. We all do, I do it. I drift, not just in my car, but I drift with my Christian walk. And if I'm not purposeful and intentional with things like growing, it doesn't happen by accident. See, once I'm in Christ, then I have a chance to grow. 
when I'm in Christ, then I take steps in the right, my next step with God. And I can grow in him. And I never want to get to the point in my spiritual life that I'm done growing. I never want to get to a point in my life where I've been there, done that. Oh, that's, 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 that, I got that. There's not one part of my, Christ, my Christian life that I've been there, done that, got that, and it's done. Because the moment I think I'm perfect and I got it all together is the day I start going backwards. See, but we got to understand when these things are happening, they're to help us not to drift and to stay in the mercy and the grace of God, his divine privilege. Does that help you understand that? Does it help? I mean, I want, I want, I want the light bulb to go off. I want, the, I want that to click here. We drift. Okay, um, what should we do next? Yeah, I thought you knew. Uh, let's go to verse 7 real quick here. Okay, this is it. So God, you have a but God, so God, can point to all of us. Who's he going to point to? In future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards, as shown in all he has done for who are united with Jesus. Do you know what, know what, know what God's up in heaven? He's, he's looking for a people he can point to. He's not looking for you as an individual. He's looking for a people. Remember the context? He's looking for a people he can point to and say, oh, they're mine. They're demonstrations of the incredible wealth of God together. I'm so glad I don't have to do this alone. I really am. He wants to point to us, all of us, a story of being fully alive. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't it for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Grace, it's an empowerment. It's a verb. I can't boast that I got saved. I did this. No, God did that. Mercy, I didn't get what I deserve. Grace, I got what I don't deserve. This is the way I learned grace. Um, and it, it, this is the way I did, and it helped me. I know it was several decades ago, but maybe it'll help somebody today. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. How many of y'all ever heard that? You, 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 oh, my Lord. Back in the day, it was a thing. <laughs> And I mean, it's like, it's like God's riches, everything God gives at Christ's expense. So therefore, because of this, we are doing better. There you got it. Are you with me? We got raised out of the back of the plane, seated up in business class. And when you're united there, you get all the blessings and privileges. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Verse 10, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. Here it is, here it is. Um, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece, his workmanship. We are, we are. I don't know if you know this or not. We are 
poetry in motion. We are a poem being written. We are a work of art being manufactured by Christ. That listen, many people, I hear them say this, but they only apply it to them as a person rather than to us as a people. You've got to understand Ephesians to understand this is our lives being put together to be a po- where a poem being written. You take one line out of a poem, it doesn't make sense, right? You take you out of the context, out of what God's doing with us, it doesn't make sense. You with me? It makes sense when you're here. God's poem makes sense. You help God's, you help his poem make sense. You do. See, some people, you, you know, you, you've lost fact. You, you've lost the hope. You've lost the reality that you may help God's church make sense. You do. Extroverts, introverts, and everything in between. It doesn't make, that doesn't make a difference. And not only that, it gets better. It says there that he planned for us long ago. That's right. He planned for us long ago. There's a plan that he has. That means he went before us and he made a way for us and has things for us to do. That he's been up in heaven thinking about what we could do. Can you believe that? God's up in heaven. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about, oh, wonder what we could do. And he's talking to God the Father. And he's talking to God saying, I think we could do this. What do you think about that? And then he talks to the Holy Spirit says, do you want to come too? He planned for us long ago. The deal is, are we going to go with it in the us? Or are we just going to hold back and just make it about me? That's the context of Ephesians. Divine privilege, mercy, and grace. Divine privilege. I've been raised with him. I've been seated with him. I've been united with him. And he put me with a group of people that together we can accomplish great things. Do you believe that today? Then stand to your feet with me today. Come on. Okay, here's the deal. Um, We're going to worship Jesus together. I don't know if you know it. If you're new to Bridge City Church, we really like worship. Because us, it takes something that we all do together. It takes all of our minds off of me and puts it on him. Are you with me? And so that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, I want to ask a serious question. Do you have a day, a moment, or time in your life where you have a but God moment? Didn't say that you be- I have always believed in God. That means nothing. No, that you have a day where you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin because you were a failure. You missed the mark. You rebelled. You trespassed areas that you shouldn't have. And that you say, Jesus, forgive me. And that you said, Jesus, now I want you to lead me. If you don't have a day, a moment, or time, I think I might have found where all the struggle is. you got to settle the issue. You belong to Jesus Christ. We sang that song earlier, I surrender. 
Are you with me? So if that's you today, and you don't have a day, a moment, or time, I don't want you to leave this place without doing, like saying, I'm all in. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lead me to my future. If that's you right now, right now in this moment, you're, you're sitting here and you say, I'm not sure, but I need to be sure. I just want you to do something real simple. I just want you to say, that's me. I want today to be my day where my but God moment starts here. If anybody in the house today, just raise your hand real high if that's you. I, I'm not going to go on. I can't go on. This is why God put it. This is why God put our church on the, on the planet. Anybody here? Anybody here? Anybody here? Okay. So this is what we are going to do. We are going to worship the Lord this morning. So I'm inviting you to radically, we're going to sing a song together about being refined for him. And I'm inviting you to come up here and worship with me. Sometimes just something happens when you shift your, your space. Christians are the most territorial people on the planet. Something happens when you move. Come on, just begin to move. Just begin to spread out, to move out. And we're going to worship. And then after worship, Pastor Eric's going to come in and he's going to close us together. He's going to have some things he just wants to update you on. Make sure you all know him. So after we do this song, just hang tight. Then Pastor Eric's going to come and close up. So come on up, come on up, come on in. Let's go in Jesus' name.